Some of you may remember that in our getting to know one another last fall, that I'm a baseball guy. In fact, in our first meeting with the vestry and staff, we agreed that baseball is the greatest game that was ever played. <laughs> and soccer, not so much. <laughs> you, <laughs> you may need to check with Stephanie to see if I have my story straight, because <laughs> that's the conversation we had with one another that morning. In any case, once upon a time, long ago, I was a high school teacher and a baseball coach before going to seminary and becoming a minister. I know some are thinking right now, how long ago was that? Well, that was back in the good old days, before there were designated hitters or batting gloves or metal bats when pitchers could go nine innings. Ah, yes. Uh, I digress. We can continue this hot topic of inside baseball at another time. But let me describe for you a scene that happened after every game I coached back in those days when I was a high school baseball coach. Every game, whether we won or lost, the team and I would move out to center field and sit on the ground to go over the game. You say, well, why that? To be out of the earshot of parents and others who had come to see. I don't think I could get away with that any longer, but we did then. We went out to center field to talk about the game that was just concluded, whether we won or lost. Because the players were typical teenagers, they would often be boisterous, particularly if we had won. As a coach, I would often say to the players, listen up. A familiar command in the coaching ranks, I had heard that many times myself as a ball player. Listen up. Listen up meant that what you are doing what you're doing, and give me your undivided attention because what I'm about to say is important. The straightforward command to listen up meant what I had to say as their coach they needed to hear and put into practice if they were to become all that they could be and all that they wanted to be as individual players and as a team. Listen up. Listening well in those moments were the first steps toward doing well on the field in that next game. Jesus, in telling the parable of the sower, is saying, in essence, listen up. At this point in Jesus' ministry, he was enjoying unprecedented popularity. On the day Jesus told this parable and several others besides, the crowds following him had grown to be large, so large that Jesus had to invent his own shoreline amphitheater to be heard. He moved the boat out into the lake. Looking out over that big crowd, I'm sure he was not only scanning their faces turned his way, but scanning their hearts as well. Jesus could see the hard hearts, the shallow hearts, the thorny hearts, the pure and unencumbered hearts. He begins to speak. A farmer went out to sow, to sow seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Another seed fell among thorns, which grew up 
and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He concludes the peril with this admonition. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus is saying, listen up. I like Eugene Peterson's homey translation here. Are you listening to this? Really listening? I wonder what the people heard when Jesus first told this story. Maybe some of the actual farmers were thinking to themselves, what farmer in his right mind plants in those kinds of soil? That's simply foolish. My first seven years of my life were spent on our family farm in Arkansas. Even as a kid, I would have known if my dad hooked up the planter to the tractor and then turned it on before he even left the shed, spreading the seed along the way as he headed for the field, he would have been more than a little careless. The truth is no farmer would waste valuable seed that way. But Jesus, in his tale about the sower, hints that God is just such a foolish farmer. Apparently, he's got more than enough seed to go around, so he throws it anywhere and everywhere. Knowing the odds for success of the seed growing uncertain is uncertain, out-of-the-way places is pretty slim. God, the gospel farmer, has no compunctions about tossing seed far and wide. Why? Because unlike earthly farmers who love and lavish attention only on the good fields, God as farmer loves every field, every plot of land, every heart, no matter its condition. God can't look at his own image bearers and fail to see the people he loves. Their hearts may be as hard as asphalt, having accumulated years and years, layers and layers of cynicism, but God loves them anyway and keeps throwing them the gospel way. Other hearts may be as shallow and ignorant as can be, having been eroded by too much TV or computer games, too little reflection. But God loves them anyway, and so keeps tossing His gospel their way. Other hearts may be so crowded that God can hardly see His way through the thicket of concerns about money and family and politics. But God loves them anyway, and so keeps dropping gospel seeds into their overly crowded life. We do see in the parable of the sower the wild generosity and the hopefulness of God in throwing gospel seed far and wide. But as you know, the parable is more specifically about the condition of the soil where the seed falls. My working premise is that the condition of the soil speaks about a one's ability to listen specifically to keep on listening when Jesus speaks. Whoever has ears, let him hear. If I'm right, Jesus is saying in the parable, in the end, to listen well is to live well in God's kingdom. To listen well is the first step to living well in God's kingdom. Another thing needs to be said before we look at Jesus' own explanation of the parable. Our lectionary reading this morning from Matthew 13 didn't include eight verses, the section immediately following his original telling of the parable. And in those verses where the disciples become concerned that no one can understand it. 
They'd been encouraged by the sight of the multitudes that had come to hear Jesus on this particular day, which was in contrast to what had been happening recently. Conflicts with the Pharisees, rejection in a number of places, including Jesus' own home district, doubts on the part of John the Baptist, whether Jesus was really the Messiah after all, charges that Jesus was in league with the devil. But here, here at the water's edge, however, Jesus' ministry finally appears to be picking up steam. So the disciples are thinking. You can almost hear the disciples' collective sigh of relief. Okay. But from their point of view, Jesus seems to have squandered the opportunity. He seems to be speaking some code language. How could he, be, he expect to get the message out if he continued to use this obtuse method of communication? So they came to Jesus asking outright, why do you speak to the people in parables? The disciples thought Jesus was making a huge tactical blunder by using parables. They're thinking, this large crowd obviously has interest in your message. Why don't you just tell them plainly what you want them to know? The message interprets Jesus' answer this way. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understanding flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. Are you listening? Whoever has ears, listen. Jesus says he tells the parables because teaching this way matches the spiritual cluelessness of most of his listeners. If his words cause a lot of arched eyebrows and furrowed brows, the problem is with the listener, not the speaker. So especially for his disciples, Jesus begins a point-by-point point explanation of the parables' meaning that illustrates the truth that what people hear and understand depends on whether or not they are really listening. Jesus knew that what separated his hearers from the kingdom was an inability to genuinely hear what he was saying. Our own life experience bears this out, doesn't it? How we listen has a great deal to do with what we gain from what someone has to say to us. Jesus uses what would have been a very familiar scene to a gathered crowd, a farmer sowing seed. Jesus speaking in parables purposely obscures his message not to cause deafness in his hearers, but to illumine the deafness of which they are unaware so that they will begin to listen more carefully. It's a little like reading good poetry. The meaning often isn't easily discerned. But a closer reading or more careful listening opens the meaning to us in a way that can bring insight and even wonder. The message says it this way. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge the people toward receptive insight. So just like a good teacher guides their students in understanding a poem, Jesus explains about the first type of soil or listener. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. He could have said, for these people, it's in one ear and out the other. The instruction given doesn't really affect or impact their behavior at all, even though they've heard. 
And our enemy, the evil one, is a part of all that, to be sure. The second group are not that bad off, but the end result is the same. They stop hearing after a time. Jesus said, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. They were gung-ho for a time, but when things became difficult, they start looking for the next new thing. These folks find Jesus' message attractive, seem to embrace it, but when they examine what he's really saying more carefully and things get tough, they say, no thank you. They've heard in Jesus' message only what they wanted to hear. When the call to repentance, to putting Jesus first, to chastity, to generosity, when this becomes clear, they throw in the towel. More on the next new thing. Move on to the next new thing. The next self-help guru. There's a third soil type or listener that Jesus identifies. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. These people are just plain busy. Their lives are crowded. These people aren't deaf. They're just distracted. Gradually, other interests, wealth, security, family, and the like, muffle the ability to hear what Jesus has to say. The noise of the culture and the cares and pain of their own lives drown out the sound of the gospel. They aren't in one ear, ear and out the other, listeners, or ready to hear the next new thing, listeners. There is some real depth to their lives, but they've stopped hearing for all the reasons that we've enumerated. They've given up. So finally, Jesus comes to the seed falling on good soil, the kind of listener that truly hears and understands. These persons listen with their ears and their heart. The seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. I find N.T. Wright to be helpful at this point. Jesus was saying in this parable to that listening crowd, at least those whose listening produced the kind of soil in which that seed would take root. Jesus was saying, what you have been longing for and praying for really is coming true. I'm here to make it happen. I'm going to be hard. It's going to be hard for you to understand sometimes. But that doesn't mean it isn't true. Stick with me. Listen to me. Figure it out. Come back for more. The good soil, the good listener, is the listener who listens to learn, who stays engaged, who isn't easily distracted, even by the pain. This is the one who sticks with Jesus no matter what, who keeps coming back for more. And in our analogy of the poem, this is the one who reads the poem again and again for the joy of discovering fresh richness and depth in its meaning. That's the beauty of the gospel Jesus was planning. Jesus told parables to test people's ability to genuinely hear what he had to say. 
Whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus' parables were, as another wisely put it, a prophetic assault upon the crowd's complacency. Suppose you and I were in that initial crowd that day. Perhaps you've traveled some distance to hear Jesus teach because you're at least half convinced this man is the Messiah. You've looked forward to this for some time. Yet now that the longed-for day has arrived, you find yourself unable to understand what he's talking about. How you interpret your failure to under comprehend, to understand. It comes down to a simple choice. Either there is something wrong with Jesus as the teacher, or else there is something wrong with me as the listener. Either I have been mistaken in identifying this man as the Messiah, or else I have some serious work to do in discovering why the Messiah has come and I can't understand. Our answer reveals the focal point of our lives to be either self or Jesus. If after hearing Jesus that day at the lake, you leave not sure he is worth building your life on, then you trudge home disappointed and you go on. If on the other hand, what you hear causes you to want to hear more, then your focus begins to shift from self to Jesus. He becomes your reality. You're having a growing understanding that he really is the Messiah and does, in fact, know what he's talking about. He can be trusted. These are the only two options. Either our world's re world revolves around self or it revolves around Jesus. No doubt there were many who turned away from Jesus that day at the lake, relying on the resources of self rather on him. For them, it was in one ear and out the other. There were others who heard him gladly, but when the going got tough, they began looking and listening to the next new thing. And there were those who began well, but the sheer busyness and distress of their lives muffled the voice of the master. Yes, we were in that crowd, and we're still in that crowd. But Jesus knew as he set up his makeshift pulpit that day in the bow of the boat that some would stick with him, listening not simply with their ears, but with their hearts. They would press in to understand more deeply. They would keep coming back to hear the message again. Their receptivity to the message of the kingdom would result in lives that would flourish. A hundred, sixty, thirty-four fold. The message of the kingdom, the vital seed that Jesus came to sow into people's hearts, really does change lives. We are all witnesses to that. But we are still those disciples who need to hear. He who has ears, let them hear. And it's a hearing, not simply with the ears, but as that touches the heart. The Isaiah passage read this morning reminds us of the potency of God's word to accomplish what he desires. It's a beautiful passage. The message of the kingdom that falls on fertile ears will bear fruit. Thanks be to God. Jesus said, whoever has ears, let them hear. The lesson of the parable of the sower is this. To listen well is the first step and always the continual first step if we are going to continue to live well in God's kingdom.
There is never a point where we can stop listening, that we not be engaged listeners. A listening heart unencumbered by cynicism or despair or busyness or greed is a heart cleansed by the Holy Spirit. We prayed that prayer this morning as the service began, that our thoughts and our hearts would be cleansed by the Holy Spirit. A listening, obedient heart in the fruitfulness that follows is all by God's grace. By God's grace. It's by God's grace we are here this morning. It's by God's grace that we come back to hear again this good news of the gospel. Maybe that's why the farmer keeps lobbing seeds at even the most unlikely targets. It's not that the farmer doesn't understand the long odds. But when you're talking about salvation by grace, it's not finally about the odds, but about the persistence of the Holy One who will never stop sowing the seeds, ever. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Let's simply pause. For this parable raises the question, what kind of listener am I? Not was am I today? Let's be still and quiet with that question for a moment in our own hearts. And then I'll have us rise to confess our faith. Lord, thank you by your grace. You continue to sow the good seed of the beauty of the gospel and the kingdom of God that we, by your grace, are a part of. Lord, open our ears and our hearts and our eyes to see that grand vision of all that we could be and can be and will be as your grace flows to us, wave after wave after wave. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.